number seven, Stan Phillips. Out on the streets of a runaway American dream. At night we rack the mansions of glory and suicide machines. Sprung from Good morning, Met fans, and happy Wednesday to you. Happy Hump Day. Yes, our first hump has been crossed. We have gotten over the lockout, and it's good to say happy Hump Day, meaning it really is a happy Hump Day. No more humps to go over. We're ready for baseball. And this weekend, Met Spring Training Baseball is here. And soon enough, we'll be playing at City Field. Yes, April 15th is the first day. Now, we did get a little bit of unsettling news that the Yankees and the Mets may soon be juggling from lineups for unvaccinated absences. I thought this was all over, folks. Me, personally, I've got the two shots. I got the booster. Uh, but I realize it's an individual decision, and I think a lot of players do not have the vaccine. So our good friend from the Brooklyn Nets, Kyrie Irving, could soon have company. I think it'll all be resolved before then. We're basically playing an outdoor sport. But it was learned Tuesday that any Yankee or Met player who has not received the COVID-19 vaccine will be prohibited from playing in New York City under the ordinance that has sidelined the unvaccinated Brooklyn Nets star in the boroughs this season. Although Irving had quite a game yesterday, I don't know if you heard about it, he had 41 points and a half and 60 points overall for a Nets franchise record. What a night for Kyrie. But let's get back to baseball. With opening day April 7th a little more than three weeks away, it is possible a city squashes the mandate before the teams return to New York, but both title contenders could be without important players if their rule remains in place. Last season, the Mets were one of six teams that did not meet the 85% vaccination mark among so-called Tier 1 personnel, which allowed relaxed COVID-19 protocols. The Yankees did meet the 85% threshold, though it is, not known that, it is known that key members of the roster had not received the vaccine. Aaron Judge has made it easy to guess his status. When asked yesterday if he has received the shot, Judge, who missed nine games on the COVID ILS season, quickly sidestepped, answering the question as Irving did months ago. It wasn't long before Irving's absence from games answered the question for him. Judge may face the same fate. Aaron Judge came out and said, I'm so focused on getting through the first game of spring training. We'll cross that bridge whenever the time comes. So many things could change, so I'm not really too worried about it right now. And the Yankees released a statement uh, that the vaccine mandate, about the max vaccine mandate in city workplaces. And it said that Randy Levine is working with City Hall and other appropriate officials on this matter. Now, Randy Levine probably won't fare much better than Kevin Durant or Adam Silver has in getting New York City Mayor Eric Adams to repeal the rule. And until that happens, both teams have cause for concern. Uh, this week, General Manager Brian Cashman said the team had players whose vaccination status had changed since last season, though he declined to say how many players have gotten the injection. MLB Network's John Hyman reported Yankees likely have three unvaccinated players, and the Mets still have quite a few. 
The situation may be resolved as the city continues its trend of eradicating COVID mandates. The rule also becomes instantly irrelevant if any unvaccinated employers join the more than 75% of Americans who have received at least one dose of the vaccine. But if the remove time out, I need a sip of coffee here. But if the rule remains in place next month, any player who makes a stand like Irving could soon be forced to sit, sit out just like him. So this will become interesting. It's not really a baseball story, but it is a baseball story because if the rule, the mandate is still in effect come opening day in New York, the Yankees will be the first victims and the Mets the second victims on April 15th. And it looks like the Mets have more than three uh, players unvaccinated. So this is going to be an interesting story to see develop. Uh, today's March 16th, so we got a month to work this out with the city, and we'll see what happens. Now here's hoping Francisco Lindor is vaccinated, because I think it really is time for him to put his ugly Met debut season behind him. And as I've said in previous podcasts, the first year in New York when you're a big money player is always tough. No one has really taken off and succeeded uh, their first year in New York, whether it be a Met or a Yankee. And I think when the word hit him, and even a guy like him was always optimistic and positive, probably isn't really sure what hit him yesterday. But the good news is, if you're looking at the big picture, he still has 10 more years. And I think he's going to figure it out starting this year. Uh, his 10-year contract doesn't even start until this season. He is getting paid mucho bucos, $341 million for the next 10 years. Now, the Mets may have felt a little bit cheated last season when Doro, after arriving in a trade with Cleveland, produced an ordinary 230-322-412 slash line with 20 homers and 63 RBIs. It was a season that started poorly and ended with Lindor more resembling the player the Mets thought they were receiving. And upon further review, the 28-year-old former All-Star, I guess, suspected a change in off-season routine that might have affected his performance. That included everything from relocating to another city to the birth of a daughter. A lot was going on, and mental things and outside-of-the-game things can really affect you sometimes. So maybe he wasn't focused enough on a preparation for his new job because he did have other things going on. But last year, everything just kind of blended together last year. And let's not forget, the Met faithful was tough on him. He was jeered at City Field, and that led to his decision to boo the fans along with teammates Javier Baez and Kevin Pollar by flashing a thumbs down to the crowd after reaching base. When Doran Baez later apologized to fans, and I still think that may be one of the reasons why Baez isn't here, and when Dor may have been cut a break because he has that 10-year contract, what team is going to inherit that? But that's just pure speculation on my part. But it did seem that when Dor took the booing a little bit too personally, and uh, he even said, the fans, they want something to embrace you. The fans, they want to cheer for you. If you don't give them that, you are going to hear it. And Baez, who arrived late last year at the trade deadline, uh, was hoping to stay with the Mets. I think Frankie Wendor really wanted him to stay with the Mets. But it looks like Steve Cohen had a different vision along with Alderson and Epler. And again, I'm not trying to figure out why they didn't want Baez. I like Baez. He he could be a yo-yo up and down a lot to the extremes, but uh, he's gone. He's a tiger. I think he's a good ball player, but I guess the Mets realized that when he came, even though he played well, it didn't do well for the chemistry, I'm assuming. And uh, who knows? Maybe one day we'll see him in the World Series against the Mets. 
But when there was Mr. Smile persona took a a hit last May when he fought with teammate Jeff McNeil. At the time, the two laughed off the incident as an argument over whether it was a rat or a raccoon that had invaded the tunnel leading between the dugout and clubhouse. Now, we all know there's no, that never happened, or we're assuming it never happened. just seems very highly unlikely that it happened. Now, the Post reported November, New York Post reported November, that Lindor, angry about McNeil's repeated positioning mistakes and shifting, and the second baseman's dismissive attitude about it, grabbed McNeil by the throat and pinned him against the wall in the tunnel. The altercation was broken up by teammates. Lindor has said this is something as in the past, me and McNeil, we have been good ever since then. We continue to play the game as hard as we can. Ultimately, we're two competitors that want to win. We want to do whatever it takes to win. Lindor appeared on the right track in July before a strained oblique removed him from the lineup for five weeks in September. In September, he produced a 933 OPS, which included a three-homer game against the Yankees. But Lindor's brutal April and May numbers, in particular, he owned a 589 OPS over the first two months. Let's face it, they were difficult to overlook. And to be honest, uh, Lindor was slumping. He wouldn't admit to it. He wasn't hitting. The numbers weren't there. Uh, He says he was having good days. He was just inconsistent. But when you hit 182 for the month, I don't even think you're really having good days. Hits will fall, maybe not the way you want them sometimes, but to lead to a 182 average, that is just slumping. Uh, And now he just has to put it all together. And when you're that talented like Francisco and you have a great past where you have done it in the past, I think things eventually work out, and they'll work out for Francisco this year. Now, was Adam Onovito, the the, uh, new Met, trying to stir the pot towards the Yankees with his recent comment? Uh... He's back in his hometown, New York, this time not in the Bronx, but in Flushing. And the Brooklyn native received that chance first with the Yankees in 19 and 20 and arrived at spring training with the Mets on Tuesday after receiving a one-year contract worth $4 million. Adovino has said, it's really where I want to be. I get to sleep in my own bed and see my kids more and not have to move three times, so that is the biggest thing. He says he's excited about it, obviously the team is the team he wants to be with, and it's great to be in a team in New York. And he even said a good team in New York. And some misconstrued his comment, saying the last comment could be a shot at the Yankees. And Adovino was upset from what I hear hours later as his comment was interpreted in that manner. And he said it wasn't his intent. Adovino said, those are my friends over there. I would have gone back there. There is nothing to it. Adovino pitched with 4.21 ERA and 11 saves and 69 appearances for the Red Sox last season. His penchant for pitching to weak contact, he placed in MLB's 95th percentile, according to baseball savant, in hard-hit ball percentage, was intriguing to the Mets. Adovino did struggle down the stretch last year, and he kind of let things get away from him. Uh, and it kind of messed up his bottom-line numbers. But overall, he, the experts are saying he did a good job uh, pitching last year. Uh, the ERA may be a little bit high, but he did help the Red Sox get to the playoffs and. uh I think the Red Sox were somewhat happy with his performance. He did put in a good year of work. And we'll see what happens this year. I like Adam Adovito. Like I said, I used to see him on MLB Now all the time with Brian Kenny, And he's a very knowledgeable baseball man. So I look forward to him in a Met uniform. Now here's news if you follow this podcast since day one. I've been a big Jeff McNeil fan. It looks like Buck Showalter is too or Billy Epler, whoever's making the shots. 
They came out and said that Jeff McNeil will receive the majority of playing time at second base this spring, according to manager Buck Showalter. Robbins Cano also factors into the position as return from a PED suspension that cost him all last season. Showalter said that he thinks uh, Robbie Cano uh, is not going to play second base every day for us as much as he wants to. We hope that he's not a pure DH either. We also think there's some potential to play first base. I don't think it will be split at second base. I think Mac will get the majority of time there. But they want to know where Robbie is physically. And Showalter isn't ready to commit to the position in the outfield either. He noted that Marte, Nimmo, and Kana all have experience playing center field in the corner outfield positions. The manager said he's just begun discussions with the players to get their feedback. I say that uh, Nimmo deserves to be a corner outfielder. He did as well as he could in center field last year, but I think Marte is the man you probably want in center field. I don't know how you guys think, but that's just my opinion. And guess who may be coming back to haunt us? Yes, Kyle Schwarber. He signed a four-year deal with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, a year after the slugger tortured the Mets as a member of the Nationals, Schwarber returned to the NL East after agreeing to a deal with the Phillies. The Athletic reported the contract is for four years with an annual salary of around $20 million. Schwarber slashed 395, 452, 1.158 with nine homers in 38 at-bats against the Mets last season. Schwarber was traded from the Nationals to the Red Sox at the trade deadline last year. Now, after selling for a one-year deal last offseason with Washington, Schwarber rehabbed his value with an impressive 2021 season that included 32 homers. He was also helped out by the universal DH being enacted for the season. He will now slot into an impressive Philly lineup. Yeah, it looks like they got some bats there with Bryce Harper and JT Real Muto. Now, Girardi's squad is coming off a disappointing 82-80 and 80 season, which many expected them to contend for the National League pennant. So the Phillies may have gotten a lot better. They strengthened up their bullpen uh, with Familia in hand. They got Schwarber. So we can't count out the Phillies as being a thorn in our side this year, now can we? Now, we all know Taiwan Walker was Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde last year. But whatever version we get, I want to see Taiwan Walker back and ready to start the season. Now, he threw a 40-pitch bullpen session Tuesday, but isn't ready to predict he will be ready to start the season with the Mets. He underwent surgery on January 14th to remove dam damaged cartilage from his right knee. And speaking to reporters for the first time since his surgery was revealed, Walker said a piece of cartilage fragmented his kneecap during off-season workouts. And uh, he opted to immediately undergo the procedure. Now, there really is no timetable, according to Walker. Uh, he's progressing. He's been running. He says the knee is strong and stable, and he's able to work with trainers and strength coaches. But we all know that you really know don't know how it's going to be until you start pitching. So he's probably one to two weeks behind the rest of the pitchers in spring training. Now, another pitcher returning from surgery, Carlos Carrasco, has already faced live hitters. And it would be so good to have Carrasco back in pitching. Carrasco underwent surgery last October to remove a bone fragment from his right elbow. And he says he pitched with for the past seven seasons, which is amazing. Now, he wants to push himself to play more baseball, Carrasco does, and it's hard for him to walk away. He continues to pitch, and he thinks he has the time to do it. So uh, everything is fine, according to Carrasco. Now, both pitchers, I'm sure, under Buck Showalter will proceed with caution. Uh, and they may even be limited to short stints to begin the season. I'm sure Buck will 
see where he goes with those guys. Uh, he'll approach it very carefully, probably limit the length of their out outings early on. Now, the question is, do we want them to pitch somewhere else to get stretched out or start them with a three-inning stint? So a lot of decisions, you always got to be careful with a pitcher's arm, especially when they're not 100% healthy. Now, like I said yesterday, Walker was an all-star last season, but he struggled in the second half to finish with a 4.47 ERA and said he's not certain if the innings build up. He hadn't pitched a full season since 2017, contributed to his late season stump, uh, slump, I should say. And let's face it, he just didn't do his job. He didn't go out there and perform the way he did in the first half. So he needs to be consistent all year round for the Mets. And I think he will have a better year. Maybe not an all-star year, but he'll give us the innings we're hoping for. Okay, now it's time to celebrate all the Met birthdays that happened today, March 16th in Met history. Happy birthday to Hobie Langer, born this date in 1930. Happy birthday to Rich Puig, born this date in 1953. Happy birthday to Don Florence, born this date in 1967. Happy birthday to Abraham Nunez, born this date in 1976. Happy birthday to Curtis Granderson, born this date in 1981. And happy birthday to Jacob Rehm, born this date in 1993. Now, there were three transactions that took place on this day in Met history. The Mets traded Bob Gallagher to San Francisco Giants for Leon Brown in 1976. The Mets released Danny Garcia on this date in 2005. And on this date, the Mets released Ruben Tejada in 2016. So a lot happened on this date. And let's start talking about the birthday boys, shall we? Let's start off with Hobie Landra first. Now, as we know, in 1961, uh, the National League added two new brand, team, brand new teams to the National League, the Colt 45s and New York Mets. And on October 10th, 1961, the Mets and club president George Weiss used their first pick in the 1961 MLB expansion draft to select Landriff second overall. New York manager Casey Stengel justified the choice by explaining that, well, typical Casey, this is what he said, you got to have a catcher or you're going to have a lot of pass balls. And that quote has lasted a lifetime. Landriff's salary was $75,000 as required a minimum for all first-round picks in the draft. When Landruff was sent the contract offer by Weiss, he turned it down. As Landruff said, it was at least a $3,000 pay cut. He told Weiss that the offer was totally unacceptable. Weiss sent exactly the same contract three times, eventually ending, leading to Landruff giving up and signing the deal. He signed his official contract to play in the inaugural season of the Mets on February 11, 1962. Now, Landruff was slated to be the starting catcher and the first string catcher with young players Chris Canizaro and Chuchu Coleman as his backup. Before opening day, Landry had a brief scare against the White Sox on April 4th. Chicago outfielder Floyd Robinson fouled off a pitch with a hard swing. The follow-through, the bat hit the right side of Landry's head, knocking him to the ground. Landry was led to the dressing room, but in good enough shape to play in the, the fast-approaching regular season. Now, Landry played a catcher in the New York in the New York Mets' very first regular season game on April 11, 1962, against the Cardinals, batting eighth in the order and going 0 for 4 in an 11-4 loss. The Cardinals stole three bases with Landreth behind the plate. Center fielder Kurt Flood stole two bases, and second baseman Julian Javier also stole a base. Landreth was also charged with an error, one of the three Met errors on the day. Stengel gave up on Landreth after one game, giving the starting job to Joe Ginsburg. 
After Ginsburg had an awful four day in the Mets' second game, he then gave the job to Canizaro. A round-robin of catchers played for the Mets that season. Seven different catchers were used, with none playing in more than 70 games. Landers' only home run as a Met came at a prime moment on May 12th. He was sent to pinch hit in the bottom of the ninth inning when the Mets down 2-1 against the Brewers, an all-time pitching great Warren Spahn. When Landruff reached the batter's box, Stengel called timeout, going to the batter's box and whispering something in Landruff's ear. On the first pitch, Landruff hit a game-winning two-run homer. After the game, Stengel remarked, I told him to hit a home run. In typical Mets form for the inaugural season, the win was almost voided when Rod Keneal, pinch, hitter for, pinch runner I should say for Gil Hodges, Failed to touch third base after the home run. Third base coach Sally Hemus gave Landruff a sign to slow down, then escorted Keneal back to third base. If Landruff had touched third base for Keneal, Rod would have been called out and the Braves would have gained a win on a walk-off home run by the opposing team. Yep, that could only happen to the 62 Mets. Now, after Landruff's game-winning blast, he had raised his average all the way to 421, including a one-month stint between April 21st and May 19th, where he hit 391 with a 1.169 OPS. But even with his excellent hitting, the Mets were compounding one of the worst seasons in Major League history. Now, on June 7th, 1962, if the Mets just lost their 16th and 17th straight ball games, Stengel broke the news to Landruff that he had been sold to the Baltimore Orioles. The news came as a complete surprise to Landruff, with the Orioles starting catcher Gus Triandos injured with a fractured knuckle. Landruff took over the starting job for almost all games within the month of June. In his first two weeks, Landruff was batting just above 100, although he made the most of his five hits, slamming three home runs and three separate Baltimore victories, including a walk-off two-run homer on June 22nd against the Red Sox. And that's how Hobie Landruff ended his Met career by going to the Orioles. But he's a Met legend. Well, let's talk about Rich Puy. He was one of those guys in the back of the yearbook with the up-and-coming prospects or future Mets stars. You saw his picture all the time. Well, he, he attended Hillsborough High School in Tampa when, when he was drafted. Upon graduation, he joined the Mets Appalachian affiliate in Marion, Georgia, where he batted two seventeen with three homers and 13 runs batted in. Though he was drafted primarily for his glove, he displayed sloppy defense, committing 17 errors. He spent four seasons in the Met farm system, batting 251 with 27 homers and 132 RBIs, when he did receive a September call-up to Flushing in 1974. In 11 plate appearances, he drew one walk, and he also committed one error in the field. He began the 75 season with the Mets AAA affiliate to Tidewater Tides, but was released mid-season with a 182 batting average, no homers, and three RBIs. He caught on with the White Sox shortly afterwards and remained in their organization through 1976 before retiring. Now let's talk about former Met Don Florence. He was originally signed by the Red Sox as an amateur free agent in 1987 and compiled a 28-40 record with 3.64 ERA and 379 strikeouts over seven seven seasons in their farm system. He signed with the Mets as a minor league free agent following the 94 season and after 47 innings pitched for the Norfolk Tides, in which he only allowed five earned runs. Florence received his first call-up at the majors at the robust age of 28. In his second game, he earned his first major league win against the Philadelphia Phillies on his way to a perfect 3-0 record. He made 14 appearances out of the Mets' bullpen and compiled an impressive 1.50 ERA, but never pitched another major league game again after 1995. Now let's talk about Abraham Nunez, shall we? 
At the start of the 2008 season, he signed a minor league contract with the Milwaukee Brewers, but was later released, and during May, he signed on with the New York Mets. The Mets designated him for assignment on June 11th, and he became a free agent at the end of the season. He only appeared in two games and had two at-bats with the Mets. And uh, so if you remember him, you're really good. And his uh, batting average with the Mets is almost like a Budo Butarski number, .000. But once a Met, always a Met. Now let's talk about Jacob Rame. The Dodgers sent Rame to the Mets as the player to be named later in the trade that sent Curtis Granderson to the Dodgers. The Mets promoted Rame to the major leagues on September 1st. He made his first major league debut on uh, first. You can only make one debut, so that was his major league debut on September 2nd, 2017, in a scoreless outing against the Astros at Minimake Park. On March 25th, 2018, the Mets announced that Rame had made the opening day roster. On April 23rd, 2019, Rame threw a pitch over the head of Reese Hoskins. I don't know if you guys remember this one, and caused both benches to clear. Two days later, Rame received a two-game suspension. On August 13th, 2019, Rame underwent ulnar nerve transposition surgery, ending his season. And then on July 20th, he was claimed off waivers. July 8th, 2020, he was claimed off waivers by the LA Angels. So Jacob pitched for the Mets in 2017 through 2019. And uh, all told, he uh, pitched in 44 games, finished 20 of them, had one save, and had a 6.23 ERA for the Mets during those three seasons. Uh, 2018 was a season he had the most work where he pitched 30 games, finished 15 of them, and had an ERA of 5.85. Now the last birthday boy today is uh, Curtis Granderson, but there's so much to say about Curtis. And uh, as you guys remember last year during the offseason, I profiled big games and big players in Met history. Well, Curtis is one of those guys we're going to profile in detail during the offseason. But Curtis has always been one of my favorite Mets. A little Curtis Grandison story for you. Uh, the Mets always have a 2015 season ticket holder. Well, every year they have some type of little party for Mets season ticket holders. At the end of the 2015 season, they had a raffle. Uh, giving away all kind of Mets stuff from Met players, balls, bats, whatever. And I always enter thinking I'll never win, but I did win an autographed baseball in a case from Curtis Grandison. So that's my Curtis Grandison story for the day. And then I'll give you another sidelight to that, too, at that party. I started walking to the bathroom. I told my friend, oh, I got to go take a week. So I'm walking to the bathroom. And who am I walking side by side with? And for the first 10 steps, didn't even know it's Sandy Alderson. And I said, Sandy, what you said today made my day. And what he said to the season ticket holders was, well, I said we'd win 90 games today. And we're coming into the final game with 89. The Mets did win that final game. And Sandy predicted 90, and the Mets went to the World Series that year. So that's my Curtis Grandison, Sandy Alderson story for today. But like I said, during the offseason, we're going to profile all the great Mets, and we'll have a special feature on Curtis Grandison, who was one of the greatest Mets in that 2015 team and one of the nicest guys in baseball history. So look forward to that in the offseason. But first, we've got to get through. We're just starting. We have to get through this season, and this is the place to be for the New York Mets this year, this podcast. So if you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do subscribe. We're going to have something up here every day. I have so much on my mind I need to convey that we're going to be talking Mets every day here. If you're not part of the New York Mets Facebook,
baseball group, New York Mets Baseball Way Life on Facebook. What are you waiting for? We got great stuff there every day, so check us out there. And uh, you won't be disappointed if you do. Now it's time for Mets Trivia and Jeopardy. Uh, today's Mets Trivia question, who's ready? Only two Mets players have had 15 total bases in a game. Who are they? Once again, the trivia question is, only two Mets players have had 15 total bases in a game. Who are they? Now today's Mets Final Jeopardy. Who's ready for this one? Can I see a raise of hands? Okay, see if some of you are ready. Let's do it. The two clues are played in 17 games for the Mets in 2010, hitting two homers with six runs batted in. His season ended after hitting a foul ball off his right foot, breaking a bone in his foot on September 18th, although he still managed to hit a home run on the next pitch. Lock in your answers for that one. We'll give you both the trivia and the Jeopardy answers at the end of this podcast. Now let's talk about what's going on in the greatest New York Mets baseball group there is in Facebook, New York Mets Baseball Way of Life. On this date in 1961, we mentioned that the state of New York approved a bond issue for constructing a 55,000-seat stadium on the site of the 1939-40 World's Fair in Queens, Flushing Meadow area. The Mets' future home will be named Shea Stadium to honor William Shea, an attorney who was instrumental in bringing the National League back to New York. Then on this date in uh, 2006, our favorite TV station of all, SNY, started was launched at 5 p.m. today, 2006, and they showed Daily News Live. Remember that show? And the Mets began transmitting Sportsnet New York, which would become better known as SNY. The club modeled the team-owned network after similar regional cable television ventures by the Red Sox, NASN, in uh, 1984, and the Yes Network by the Yankees in 2002. And also on this day in 1967, yes, they were playing spring training baseball on this day in 1967, not like this year. And one of the highest scoring spring training games ever, the Red Sox tallied 10 earned runs in the ninth inning to upend the Mets 23-18. Boston out hit the Mets 23-17, and Jim Lonborg was the eventual winner over Jack Hamilton. Imagine that, 40 runs in a spring training game. What's going on trying to dissect uh, a thousand different things? What's wrong? What? We have a Dom uh, good homer. Good friend Dom Smith going yard in an inter-squad game. Might want to check that out. Uh, Mike Freed came and said, looks like the uh, Met rotations is a set with McGillan Patterson, Peterson. And just another reliever is next. And even midseason next year, it could be Lucchese. Can't complain. This is a team that will compete this year, said Mike. Remember, all you need to do is stay healthy, especially Jake. Like Cohen said, it's not going to happen the first season. He plans His plans are for year two and especially year three. So, so far, it looks like we are making progress. And Tony James also showed a video of Max Scherzer throwing his first strikeout in a simulation game. And yeah, Mike Freed broke the news that Schwarber signed in with the Phillies. And Mike keeps us abreast of everything that's going on in uh, Major League Baseball. He even told us that Japanese star Seiyo Suzuki is headed to the Cubs 70 million five years. And it looks like the Blue Jays are finalizing a trade for two-time Platinum Glove winning uh, third baseman Matt Chapman. Now, that's according to Carlos Bayarga, and he's been pretty reliable when he starts speaking about possible transactions.
And Dan Wiener said he loved the move of signing Buck Buckshalter based on this quote: "If I would have won, if I would have won, if I put up, it would be play better. If there was a clubhouse slogan that he could put up on the wall in the Med dugout." And I agree. I think Buck's going to do well. I really, really do. And uh, like I said, that's all the good stuff would happen. And last night we mentioned that Craig Swan in 1979 became the highest paid player in Med history when he signed a five-year deal worth $3 million. And we showed a picture of Mookie Wilson and Bill Buckner reuniting 14 years later. A picture of Keith, 1987 style playing first base with the ultimate pose at the position. Then we showed a picture of Robinson Cano chatting with Fred Wilpon. Yes, Freddie Wilpon was at Met Camp yesterday, and he put his right hand around Cano's uh, left cheek, and I put a caption there, what could they be talking about? And then we showed the back cover of Daily News with the, uh, this may hurt a bit, Unvax Yanks, Mets to be banned from playing at home under current New York City rules. We'll have to see what happens there. Mike Freed put up a fantastic picture of the staff uh, with Scherzer and uh, DeGrom with the other three uh, big arms right below him, which is really, really cool. Then we mentioned that two years ago, uh, that's when all the hell broke loose in COVID. And Brody Van Wagen said, this is bigger than baseball as the Mets mold their plan. Then we showed a picture of the two voices we love most, Howie Rose and... Gary Cohen, outside of uh, the spring training stadium. That's cool. That really was cool. And then uh, there was a clip of Gary Scherzer uh, talking to Max Scherzer. Gary Scherzer. Gary Apple talking to uh, Max Scherzer. And a little preview of uh, Buck Showalter saying, Neil will play second. Cano will get time as well. J.D. will be a third mostly, getting reps at first and left. And Dom Smith will be in first and left. So things are starting to fall into place here for the Mets. Anthony Rivera gave us a link to his Met podcast, which is pretty damn good. And the Mets signed Mike Montgomery to a minor league deal. So a lot's been happening in the group. Check us out. Uh, we have great stuff. Great. We have the best, most knowledgeable Mets fans, I should say, in that group. And that's what I like. So check us out. It's New York Mets Baseball Way of Life on Facebook. And now, as we do every day in the group, we're going to give you the answers to yesterday's uh, trivia and Jeopardy questions. Once again, the trivia question was, only two Met players have had 15 total bases in a game. Who are they? Well, the correct answers are Joanna Cespedes and Agardo Alfonso. Cespedes did it in 2015, Alfonso in 1999. Congrats to Kareem Haywood on being the first to submit the correct answer. And yesterday's Jeopardy was played in 17 games for the Mets in 2010, hitting two home runs with six runs batted in. And the second clue was the season ended after hitting a foul ball off his right foot, breaking a bone in his foot on September 18th, although he still managed to hit a home run on the next pitch. Well, the correct response to Mets Jeopardy is, who is Luis Hernandez? Congrats to Kareem Haywood on being the first to submit the correct response. Well, that's going to wrap it up for another Met Podcast. Again, thank you for listening. And again, thank you for all your support. And if you ever need to reach out to me, I'm at P-H-I-L-S-T-A-N-4-1. Gee, wonder what the 4-1 stands for at gmail.com. Drop a line. Any suggestions, comments, criticisms, would love to hear them. 
That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Met baseball, and pretty soon we'll be playing some great games. Life is good. Let's go Mets. Talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Guaranteed to have the time of your life Because the Mets are ready